Hello everyone and welcome back to the channel. Uh, just a few things I'm gonna go ahead and ramble on about before the uh, episode starts. Um, so first of all, I'm gonna be back on Spotify now. So um, you know, using Anchor again. I kind of stopped releasing audio episodes mainly because I just wasn't getting as much traction on there, and I thought you know more of my time would be better utilized on just you know editing videos and uh trying to get them out as soon as possible but i think you know now um it seems like a good good time to just start releasing more audio episodes a lot, a lot more people have been asking me about releasing just audio so um hopefully i can get those on there as soon as possible because i i've been stopping for a while uh, or from a while now so uh it's gonna be great to go back onto audio again as well, um, and then I also announced in my last week's uh, video, um, March Madness video. I tried to record that, and it just continuously was not uploading to YouTube. So I kind of just abandoned that project and just posted my pics on both TikTok and Instagram. So uh, I thought you know I'd just say that here, but um, you know. I'll put I'll most likely put a timestamp so you guys can just be able to skip if you don't really want to hear that. But um, without further ado, let's get right into uh, our scheduled content. Unknowingly, the 2009 class is undervalued. There are three superstar players in this class, as well as many other talented role players or starting players. Although this class doesn't have many NBA champions, several elements might be added to contending teams to create a championship organization. Hashim Thabit finished second overall in this class, Johnny Finn came in under at number 6, and Jordan Hill came in at number 8. One could argue that the top 10 players are all well-known busts. Having stated that, let's rectify the situation by redrafting the class of 2009. Now coming in with the first pick, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers uh, originally selected Blake Griffin. Um, for this redrafted pick, I'm going to have them pick Steph Curry. Now Curry faces stiff competition for this position, but in the end, he deserves to be drafted first overall. Curry is the only unanimous MVP, has four NBA rings, and is vying with Reggie Miller and Ray Allen for the title of greatest deep shooter of all time. The Warriors were rebuilding their franchise from the ground up when they selected Curry with the number 7 overall pick. Griffin received the same treatment from the Clippers. What would have if the Clippers have you know what would have happened if the Clippers had drafted Curry? By now the team could have won its first NBA championship. Uh, so yeah, I think overall Curry probably was the best pick. Um, I mean, obviously I feel like he's the best player from this draft class, so I'm going to have to give it to him. Now coming in with the second pick, the Memphis Grizzlies originally selected Hashim Thabit, um, but now with this redrafted pick, I'm gonna have them pick James Harden. Now, as one of the most or as one of the most known worst draft selections in NBA history, Hashim Thabit ranks it right up there with Kwame Brown and Anthony Bennett. Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol's ability to lead the Grizzlies to the Western Conference Finals four years later ultimately allowed them to preserve their organization. But if Harden had been a member of that squad, we might have been talking about a dynasty. Conley, Harden, and Gasol together in their primes must be regarded as a formidable trio. Add Zach Randolph to that bunch and you have a guaranteed chance at making it 
on your first and second attempts. Three times Harden has been the league's top scorer with more than 30 points. So I felt that it was clear to put James Harden here. I mean, even thinking about that duo or that trio that Mike Conley, James Harden, and Marc Gasol, I mean, you really couldn't go wrong. I mean, Mike Conley and Marc Gasol were a great duo uh, back in their primes. And just adding James Harden to that situation, I mean, James Harden would have already had a ring. Um, and, you know, he might have never even played on the Rockets um, to begin with. So, I mean, a lot would have happened with if... if Harden did go to the Grizzlies, but definitely an interesting thought to have. Now, next up, we have the OKC Thunder. Uh, originally, again, they selected James Harden, um, but with this redrafted pick, they're going with, uh, you know, the Oklahoma native, Blake Griffin. Now, Griffin was an excellent first-round pick. I'm not criticizing the Clippers for picking him. The two best players are out on, out on the draft at this point. Um, but the Thunder still have a multi-all-star selection at power forward who would have fit right in with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Durant, Westbrook, and Harden led the Thunder to an NBA Finals appearance in 2012. That feat could have been accomplished by this team as well. Griffin is a double-double machine and a high-flying dunker when healthy. Serge Ibaka would have also been in the starting lineup. Could this group beat LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh in Miami if they played together? Uh, that's a question, you know, that possibly could be answered i don't really know that 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 heat team was really good so i highly doubt that they'd be able to beat the heat but i think yeah definitely going to they would definitely be able to go to the finals with blake griffin instead of james harden uh just because i feel like the floor would have been really spaced out and i think blake griffin would have definitely been um a great a uh, complimentary player to Russell Westbrook. I think, you know, Westbrook would have definitely earned his triple-double title, you know, sooner if he had Blake Griffin. I mean, if you think about it, um, Chris Paul had a great, uh, you know, great career there with Blake Griffin on the Clippers, um, and I think that could that definitely could have been replicated with, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook and Blake Griffin. Now coming in with the fourth pick, the Sacramento Kings originally selected Tyreek Evans, but here in this redraft, we're going to have him select DeMar DeRozan. Now how do you turn your gaze away from the Toronto Raptors' potential all-time leading scorer? DeRozan has averaged more than 20 points per game for seven straight seasons. DeRozan fulfills every expectation the Kings had for Evans. DeRozan was the all-time leader in points and a four-time All-Star when he was traded out of Toronto. Evans' debut season saw him score 20.1 points, but then he then slowed down. He hasn't played since 2018, although he could have been very good. Um, so I believe that DeRozan, the, the Kings would probably got a more... Uh, sustainable and substantial career out of DeMar DeRozan uh, compared to what they did get from Tyreek Evans. Now coming in with the fifth pick of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Originally they selected Ricky Rubio but here I'm gonna have him select Drew Holiday. In comparison to Rubio, Holiday would have brought a more uh, offensive game, completed his role as a facilitator and borderline all defensive team defense. While Rubio was an international sensation, Holiday would have provided Minnesota with a franchise point guard capable of scoring twice as many points in his career. Rubio has averaged 11.2 points per game, while Holiday has averaged 15.9. Worst of all, the Timberwolves required assistance right away, and Rubio didn't make his debut until 2011, so I feel that Drew Holiday probably would have been able to step up a little bit sooner than Rubio had. 
and uh, definitely I think Drew Holiday's had a better career, career um, especially now with this time in Milwaukee. I think he's definitely had a better career uh, compared to Ricky Rubio. Now next up with the sixth pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves originally picked it, uh, picked, not picked it, picked Johnny Flynn. Um, and this redrafted pick, I'm going to have him select Wesley Matthews. Now, Flynn is one of the biggest busts in franchise history. Flynn started all 81 games and averaged 13.5 points in his first season, but has since faded. He left Minnesota after the 2011 season, played 29 games in two seasons for the Rockets, and hasn't played in the NBA since 2012. Matthews has a career three-point percentage of 38.2%. He has a 13.1 points per game average and continues to play in the league. The Timberwolves were hoping for a capable guard who could provide offensive relief. Now here with the seventh pick, the Golden State Warriors originally selected Steph Curry, uh, but since he's already off the board, uh, my next best pick would be Ricky Rubio. Now the Warriors would need the best alternative available if Curry and Holiday were both not available, and that would be Rubio, a capable, a capable point guard in the NBA. In his career, Rubio has five times averaged or more than eight assists and a 7.7 career average. The Warriors merely needed someone to pass the ball to Monta Ellis so he could score since he was already on the team. Rubio has been held back for years by his ability to shoot threes. Even if Klay Thompson had been a part of the team, the Splash Brothers would not have survived. Now coming in with the 8th pick, the New York Knicks originally selected Jordan Hill, but in this pick, I'm going to have to give them Taj Gibson. Now Hill never developed into the player the team had hoped for when he arrived from Arizona. Hill was only in New York for one season, or 24 games. The Knicks should have gone with Taj Gibson if they needed a true power forward. Is Gibson significantly better than the players ranked below him? That's debatable. But sometimes it's about the needs, and the Knicks needed a power forward at the time. Gibson was a Chicago Bulls closer who provided tenacious defense and strong rebounding. For six consecutive seasons, Gibson averaged more than 1.3 blocks per game. Now coming in with the ninth pick, the Toronto Raptors originally selected DeMar DeRozan, but since now he's now off the board, uh, have their redrafted pick as Pat Beverly. Now the Raptors would have focused on a guard as DeRozan would have been gone by this point. Beverly would have been the best option because this would have happened years before Kyle Lowry. Instead of Jose Calderon, he could take care of the situation. Chris Bosch was in charge at the time, and it would have been entertaining to see Pe Beverly and Bosch work together on the defensive end. But the Raptors ultimately selected well with their initial selection, so regardless of what happened, the franchise would have been happy with the results of this draft. Now coming in with the 10th pick, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I'm keeping them with the same pick being Brandon Jennings. Uh, this was a, the correct decision at the time, and it remains so today. The Bucks were in need of a point guard, and teams were wary of Jennings. He was once regarded as the number one overall prospect coming out of high school, but he chose to play overseas, which lowered his stock. Jennings averaged 16.5 points and 5.6 assists per game over the course of five seasons. Jennings averaged 19.1 points per game and shot 41% from the field in 2012. Now with the 11th pick, the New Jersey Nets originally selected Terrence Williams, but here I have them picking Ty Lawson. Now Lawson ended up being one of the 
top draft prospects despite never playing in an all-star game. He averaged more than 15 points per uh, for the Nuggets four times. He once averaged 8.8 and 9.2 assists per game over two years. Williams never provided the security the Nets required at guard. He played just 30, sorry, sorry, 73 games after 78 in his first season until his career came to an end in 2012. Now coming in with the 12th pick, the Charlotte Bobcats originally selected Gerald Henderson, but now in this redraft, I'm going to have them selecting Tyreek Evans. Now Evans finished his career with 15.7 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 4.8 assists per game. He was a pure shooter who averaged more than 20 points once during his rookie season. In 2010, he was named Rookie of the Year. Evans hasn't since or hasn't played since 2018, but he'd be a better option than Gerald Henderson. Henderson did not average more than 15 points until year three. Some may wonder why Evans dropped so low. For starters, other players outshot him. When you combine that with the other team's need at the time, specifically the need for point guards rather than shooting guards, Evans would have been in this range. Now coming in with the 13th selection, I have the Indiana Pacers keeping their original pick with Tyler Hansbrough. At the time, the Pacers were in need of a power forward, and Hansbrough would have been the finest player on the market. In all honesty, selecting Hansbrough at the very bottom of the top 10 was not a horrible choice either. First team All-American and first team All-ACC honors were achieved by Hansbrough for the first time in ACC history in each of his four seasons. With 2,872 points and 1,219 rebounds, Hansborough set, set league and school records for his whole career. He made 982 free throws, which is an NCAA record. Hansborough was a useful reserve for the Pacers, but he hasn't played since 2015. Now coming in with the 14th pick, the Phoenix Suns originally selected Earl Clark, but in this redraft, I'm going to have them selecting Danny Green. The Suns had just finished the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, and Sean Marion era. During those final seasons, the team could use a knockdown shooter to finish the season. Clark spent two seasons with the Sun, Suns, sorry, appearing in a total of 60 games. By his third season, Green had matured into, a, into the shooter and defender that he is today. Green has two championship rings and has played for both teams as a starter. Clark left the NBA after the 2014 season to pursue a career in international basketball. Now with the 15th pick, the Detroit Pistons originally selected Austin Day, uh, but in this redraft I'm going to have him selecting Joe Ingles. Now one of the NBA's most inspiring Cinderella tales is Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles played abroad from 2009 to 2014 after being undrafted in 2009. He was a vital uh, component of Maccabi so I'm going to mispronounce this Maccabi Tel Aviv's EuroLeague uh, championship squad. He he got a contract with the Utah Jazz after that season. Ingles has averaged a few seasons with double digit points and has shot over 40% from outside the arc throughout his career. He has started for the Jazz for a number of seasons. Day on the other hand hasn't complete, competed in the league since 2014 and has never averaged more than 7.5 points a game. Now coming in with the 16th pick, the Chicago Bulls originally selected James Johnson, but in this redraft, they're going to have him select Omri Caspi. Um, now first and foremost, while James Johnson has proven to be a capable player in the league, Omri Caspi was, a, was the superior power forward overall. 
Caspi made an immediate impact with the Kings during his rookie season. Caspi averaged about uh, 10 points per game and 4.4 rebounds in 24.5 minutes per game in his two in his first two seasons. Johnson averaged 3.9 points in his first season with the Bulls before being traded to the Raptors in 2010. Caspi could have made an early impact during the 2009-2010 season because Thibodeau was not the Bulls co coach until 2010. Now coming in with the 17th pick, the, Philado the Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers uh, originally selected Drew Holiday, but since he's off the board, I'm going to have them pick Jeff Teague. Now this draft's winners were the 76ers. Holiday's final season with Philadelphia in 2013 saw him earn a spot in his lone all-star game in 2020 he won the nba teammate of the year award after developing into an all-defensive player um, holiday would have been available in this draft at the time leaving the 76ers with other point guard possibilities by selecting jeff teague out of wake forest in this draft philadelphia would have been successful once more teague has averaged uh, has averages of 12.8 points and 5.6 assists and he participated in the 2015 all-star game at this time the 76ers needed a point guard thus their dream would be fulfilled once more now coming in at the 18th pick the minnesota timberwolves originally selected ty lawson but in this redraft, I'm going to have them select Patty Mills. Now, the Timberwolves eventually traded Lawson to the Denver Nuggets, but it's unclear why the Nuggets needed a point guard in the first place. Patty Mills would have still been uh, still be available at this point. Mills has been with the Spurs since 2012 and was a key member of the team that won the championship, the NBA championship in 2014. Mills would have provided the Nuggets with borderline starting caliber play. Lawson was excellent for the Nuggets and has a, a better career record. Mills, on the other hand, is still in the league at this point. You can choose your poison. So, I think overall, I think Patty Mills is probably the better pick over Ty Lawson at this point in the draft. Now, next up, uh, with the ninth pick, the Atlanta Hawks originally selected Jeff Teague, but since he was just taken off the board, I have them selecting Darren Collison here. The Hawks were the other draft winners along with the 76ers. The Hawks managed to select Teague, a reliable starting point guard. Perhaps they could have acquired him again by trading up two choices. The Hawks just missed their man in this situation. So they had to collect Darren Collison, another reliable player in the league. You are looking for a player at this stage of the draft who can contribute time off the bench and eventually start games. Over his career, which lasted from 2009 to 2018, Collison averaged 12.5 points and 5 assists. In addition to the Pelicans, Collison also played for the Pacers, Clippers, Mavericks, and Kings. In the end, Atlanta would have found a starting caliber point guard, which was their goal in 2009. Now next, with the 20th pick, the Utah Jazz originally selected Eric Maynard, but for this redraft, I'm going to have them select Garrett Temple. Now, Deron Williams, who finally departed the Jazz for the Nets, was most likely to be prepared to leave with the selection of Maynard at the time. Unfortunately, Maynard never developed into Williams' equal or even a passable backup in the league. Prior to being traded to the Thunder, Maynard played with the Jazz for just 26 games. He played his final game in 2013 with 4.3 points per game. Garrett Temple would have been a better choice. Temple has demonstrated his ability to play in the NBA despite having represented 12 different teams throughout his career. 
He has seven seasons of which he has played more than 60 games, making him a reliable option off the bench. Now with the 21st pick, the New Orleans Hornets originally selected Darren Collison, but since he's off the board, I have him selecting Jody Meeks here. Now finding a quality guard in the draft at this point is difficult because Lawson, Teague, Mills, and Collison are all gone. The team could draft a shooting guard instead of a point guard at the time. Uh, New Orleans need already had a point guard in Chris Paul, so why not take a chance on a shooting prospect who demonstrated long range at Kentucky? Meeks averaged 23.7 points and shot 40.7% 40 from three-point range in his final season with Kentucky. Consider Paul luring the defender away from the basket and setting up an open three-pointer for Meeks on the wing. Because Meeks was still there, sorry, still on the board at the time, this could have happened before. Now with the 22nd pick, the Portland Trailblazers originally selected Victor Claver, but in this redraft they're going to be selecting Dante Cunningham. Now perhaps some of you are wondering who Victor Claver is. It is a very thoughtful question. Claver was a promising uh, professional basketball player from Spain who didn't enter the NBA until 2012. When he did, he only remained there until 2014 before returning to Europe. Clever played 13.4 minutes per game and averaged 3.2 points. For the Trailblazers, this was unquestionably a failure. Dante Cunningham would have made, a, uh, made for a good addition to the squad given the opportunity. He had the opportunity to compete against Travis Outlaw for some minutes while playing behind Nicholas Batum. Cunningham, who throughout his career has played an average of over 20 minutes, was eligible to start right away. Now coming in with the 23rd pick, the Sacramento Kings originally selected Omri Caspi, but since he's already off the board, I have them selecting Damari Carroll. Now with Caspi off the board, the Kings would have considered the best available overage prospect. That would have been Carroll at this point. Despite two injury-plagued seasons at the start of his career, he played until the 2019 season and averaged 8.9 points per game while also being an average defender. Given how quickly Caspi helped, the Kings won their draft pick. Given the circumstances of the draft, it's not their fault that all of their preferred players would have been selected by now. Now coming in with the 24th pick, the Dallas Mavericks originally selected Byron Mullins, but here I have them selecting Aaron Baines. Um, now Mullins was a total failure and was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder in two seasons. Uh, he played 26 games. He played for the Charlotte Hornets for one successful season, averaging 10.6 points and 6.4 rebounds. But he hasn't participated in the league comp uh, competition since 2013. In terms of Baines, he shares Ingles' success story. He was a European basketball player who joined the Spurs in 2013. He participated on the roster of the 2014 NBA title squad and appeared in 54 games during that season. He has established himself in the league as a rim protector and a starting center. Now coming in with the 25th pick, the OKC Thunder originally selected uh, Rodrigue Boubois, Buboy, Buboys, um, I, Boboys. I, I really don't know how to pronounce the last name, but yeah, 
uh, they selected him. And in this redraft, I have them selecting Wayne Ellington. Now, the Mavericks received this pick in a trade. Boo Boys sent, uh, or spent all four seasons with the Mavericks, averaging 7.1 points and 2.1 assists in roughly 15 minutes per game. He has since returned to Europe and has not appeared in, in a league game since 2012. Because Boo Boy's career was so brief, we'll go with someone who has similar career numbers but still plays in the NBA. Wayne Ellington has a career average of 8 points, 2.2 rebounds, and 1.1 assists in 20.9 minutes per game. Now with the 26th pick, the Chicago Bulls originally selected Taj Gibson, but since he's out the board, I have them selecting James Johnson. Now considering that Gibson is a top 10 pick in this draft, who is the best power forward still on the board? What about the individual they selected with the 16th overall pick? Johnson has played for 9 different organizations and has established himself as a journeyman but his statistics remain the same. He contributes about eight points and four rebounds off the bench while also encouraging his teammates. The level of output you would anticipate from the number 26 overall choice in this draft is uh, is this, you know, this time the Bulls wouldn't need to overpay for him because he is on the market. Now with this, uh, with the 27th pick, sorry, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies originally selected Damari Carroll, but since he's off the board, I have him selecting Dewan Blair. Uh, now, Carroll appeared in 71 games as a rookie, but was injured his sophomore year and was released by the Grizzlies after seven appearances. Dewan Blair could have been able, uh, could have been taken if the Grizzlies wanted someone to play a little longer. Blair had a successful career in Pittsburgh. He averaged 15.7 points and 12.3 rebounds as a sophomore. He was named to the Spurs All-Rookie second team in 2010 after averaging 7.8 points and 6.4 rebounds. Blair hasn't played in the NBA since 2015, but for a late second round pick, he had a solid seven year career. At this point, he is one of the better prospects left, so the Grizzlies would have to take the best available player. Now, with the 28th pick, the OKC Thunder originally selected Wayne Ellington, but since he's off the board, I have them selecting Gerald Henderson. Now, given that the Thunder were looking to draft a forward, Henderson would be the top prospect currently on the market. From 2009 to 2016, Henderson played for the Hornets, Trailblazers, and 76ers, averaging 11.1 points and 3.9 rebounds. In 2012, Henderson once scored 15.5 points on average. Those points from the bench during the Thunder's journey to the NBA Finals would have been wonderful. Now with the 29th pick, the Los Angeles Lakers originally selected Tony Douglas, and I'm going to keep it that way for this one. So the only stipulation for this pick is that the Lakers do not trade him into the Knicks in exchange for a second round pick and $3 million. Douglas was a tenacious defender who could score in double figures from time to time. The Lakers had a solid foundation at guard with Kobe Bryant and Derek Fisher at the time, but this could have provided some defensive relief. Now with the last pick in the first round, with the 30th selection, the, Ke the Cleveland Cavaliers picked Christian Enga, um, Enga. Um, but for this redraft, I'm going to have them select Jonas Jerepko. Now during his rookie campaign, Aigna participated in 44 games for the Cavaliers. He exited the NBA after playing 7 games in 2011. After that, Later, he played basketball abroad. Uh, throughout his career, which spanned from 2008 to 2018, Jarebko 
averaged 6.8 points and 4.0 rebounds in 17.8 minutes of action. He returned to the EuroLeague in 2018 after the Warriors and him won the NBA championship. This would have been a steal for a late first round choice. And that'll be all for today's episode. Thank you all for watching and listening all the way through. Make sure if you're on YouTube, go down. Leave a comment on what your thoughts would be for this redraft, anything that you would change. Um, and also, while you're down there, make sure you go ahead and leave a like and subscribe. And also, as well as share with anybody that you may think would like this video. And if you're on the podcast version, make sure you go ahead and leave a five-star review and leave a follow. That'd be greatly appreciated. Um, but again, thank you for watching and listening all the way through. And have a great rest of your day. Bye.